This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, where you can meet like-minded people fighting for a new vision of aging. Find out more at carp.ca. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Christine Ross for Libby's Nimer. Some tips on coping with the January blahs on the eve of Blue Monday, the so-called most depressing day of the year. And a return to the first normal travel season in three years for Zoomers post-pandemic. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. A groundbreaking new study has identified risk factors that can lead to early or young-onset dementia. They include loneliness, vitamin D deficiency, low socioeconomic status, and alcohol abuse. The team calls the most important finding was that a wide range of modifiable risk factors appear to be important, not just genetics. While Alzheimer's and dementia is most prevalent in people over 65, about 5% of patients develop symptoms before 65. Meantime, another new study finds that people in their 30s and 40s who have interrupted sleep are more than twice as likely to have memory and thinking problems a decade later. Headlight glare is getting so bad, especially for older drivers, that some UK groups are calling for swift government action. A new study finds that more than four in five drivers say the problem is getting worse as headlights appear brighter on modern cars because of LED rather than traditional halogen bulbs, creating a more intense beam. Since 2013, there have been 280 collisions on Britain's roads every year where dazzling headlights were a contributing factor. Many drivers believe headlights are so bright they risk causing accidents, with a number of older motorists avoiding driving at night due to the issue. A campaign by paramedics is putting defibrillators in people's homes in a small town in England. It came about after the crew realized it could take up to 40 minutes to transport patients in cardiac arrest to the closest hospital. Since installing more than a dozen of the life-saving devices in a number of homes, they've been used a handful of times. Swear to support the constitutions of the United States of America and of the state of Minnesota and that I would discharge faithfully the duties devolving upon me as a city council member. Congratulations. The city of St. Paul, Minnesota made history this week when it swore in its first all-women city council. The majority are women of color. With a population of just over 300,000, St. Paul is believed to be among the largest cities in the U.S. to have a city council entirely of women. While St. Paul is believed to be the largest city, Asheville, North Carolina also has an all-female city council, making state history back in 2020. They have all this freedom, which is wonderful, but we didn't have, we didn't know we could say no, for example, and it's just created a miraculous, confident, different, um, authentic people. A Hollywood actress is clearing up comments she made about Generation Z after admitting that the younger generation can be really annoying to work with. Jodie Foster is backtracking a bit. The 61-year-old Oscar-winning actress finds their attitudes difficult to understand 
and she also complains about their spelling and grammar. Foster, a former child star herself, says she feels compelled to help young actors find their path because it was hard growing up. A gardener stands to inherit $6 billion in an unconventional way. 80-year-old Nicholas Puesh, a descendant of the Hermes founder, lives in Europe and is worth $13 billion. He had planned to leave his fortune with a charity, but had a change of heart, and now wants to give half his wealth to his former gardener and handyman. Needless to say, the charity is not happy, saying he broke a contract. But... The contract has a provision that says if Puesh becomes a father, his child would be entitled to a portion of his fortune. So, he plans to adopt his gardener. I'm Christine Ross, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Blue Monday has officially been called the most depressing day of the year. Dreamed up to help advertisers cash in on everything from travel to gym memberships. But the broader seasonal affective disorder is when the post-holiday lull, stretched finances, poor weather with less daylight all converge. We reached Laura Cavanaugh, professor of behavioral sciences at Seneca College. You know, people are, are struggling with kind of the letdown after the holiday and they may be experiencing financial stress. Um, winter is in, in full swing. The, the nights are still long and the days are still short. Um, and we don't have the sort of excitement of the holidays to look forward to. It's just sort of months of snow and cold stretching ahead of us. Now, psychological studies have not really backed up this concept of a most depressing day of the year. We don't necessarily see a spike in, in say, psychiatric emergency visits or calls to helplines on that particular day. But I think that we all, um, you know, I think the reason it's kind of widely accepted is that many of us at least experience, I mean, not on that particular day, but like some some version of of the post-holiday blues that kind of stretches throughout January or the winter blues, whatever you want to call it. You know, there is something about that three-week into January period that, that that's tough for us. And so the, the broader seasonal affective disorder, yeah. what percent of the population is impacted by that or affected by that? And how does it um, impact demographics differently? Do you have any data on that? Yeah. So seasonal affective disorder or, you know, its technical term is major depressive disorder with seasonal pattern um, is recurring depressive episodes um, that are brought on and, and then relieved by the change of seasons. And, and for most people, you know, there's some cases of people who experience it in the summer, but really most cases are that people experience sort of people experience a dip in mood in, in the winter. And we call that seasonal affective disorder. We sometimes call it sad for short. And uh, it seems to be, at least partly, it, the, the winter seasonal affective disorder seems to be related to a lack of, of sunlight exposure. It disrupts our circadian rhythms, like our sleep-wake cycles. It affects the, the hormones that govern our sleep-wake cycles, including melatonin, which is uh, not only um, so controls our, our sleepiness and our wakefulness, but also is um, a chemical precursor to other important chemicals in the brain, like serotonin, that helps to regulate our mood. So, you know, I, uh, the data shows, uh, not surprisingly, because it's related to a lack of sunlight, people in darker, colder areas 
that experience um, long winters are more likely to experience seasonal affective disorder or SAD. So only 1% of people in Florida experience seasonal affective disorder, while 9% of people living in Alaska do. And the Canadian Psychological Association estimates that about 2 to 3% of Canadians experience severe seasonal affective disorder, but that up to 15% of us experience at least some mild symptoms, you know, where, where the winters are, are a little bit harder for us and, and our mood is a little bit heavier during this time of year. So how best to stay mentally strong during this time of year? Well, you know, because it's related to lack of light, um, the first thing I would say is to try to get outside during the daylight hours, no matter how short those daylight hours are, and actually even if there's no sunlight, um, because natural light makes a big difference. And Natural light levels uh, have, you know, still, um, like it may not feel brighter, but they actually have more, uh, stronger light than than like a a lamp, you know, Mm -hmm. in your house. Even if it feels brighter in your house, there's something about natural light. And being outside is good for our mood generally. It helps with perspective. Um, It can be very grounding. So a walk outdoors, even for just 10 minutes, um, may feel like it wouldn't do very much, but you might find that you're surprised. Um, There's a therapeutic approach called mindfulness-based stress reduction. It's It's a refined subset of cognitive behavioral therapy that's quite effective for seasonal um, affective disorder. Um, so that's a formal treatment you might want to seek out if you feel like you have um, more severe symptoms. But we can all incorporate mindfulness-based stress reduction techniques. So um, you know, one of the my, one MBSR mindfulness-based stress reduction technique is like to, to work on our mind-body connection and to ground ourselves in the present moment. So practices like meditation, um, exercise, particularly mindful exercise like yoga, um, being outside and being a really trying to be aware of your surroundings, doing grounding activities, like let's say you go for that 10-minute walk, like um, maybe don't put on a podcast, but really try to pay attention to the three things that I found really beautiful um, or something like that. Um, Those are techniques that we can all benefit from. Um, Some studies have found that vitamin D supplements may be helpful. Um, You know, you should maybe ask your doctor, but there does seem to be um, some, uh, you know, pretty uh, compelling data that shows that that it can be helpful, um, that there's a correlation between low vitamin D and seasonal affective disorder. You know, there's, uh, you know, good data that bright light therapy uh, helps seasonal affective disorder quite a bit. Not necessarily a miracle cure, but it can really make a difference. What if someone is doing everything right? They're getting outside in the daylight for a walk. They're trying to get sleep, exercising, eating right, and they're still struggling. At what point should people consider counseling or even medication? Yeah. Um, you know, we don't get any bonus points for suffering, you know, and, and so I think if you're feeling that way, if you're finding these symptoms hard to shake, if they're interfering with, um, you know, your ability to enjoy things that used to give you pleasure, um, if you're finding it hard to uh, connect with others, you know, if, you, if you're finding yourself withdrawing and isolating, those are all signs that it may be going from sort of the the, the um, you know, garden variety, winter blues into seasonal affective disorder territory. And, you know, if, if that's you, I would definitely consider uh, reaching out. You know, um, there's uh, there's helplines available. And um, like I said, you know, mindfulness-based stress reduction is a really great treatment for seasonal affective disorder. Um, and there are treatments that, that 
make a big difference. And, you know, where the starting point that I would recommend is, is uh, you know, talk to your family doctor about it. Um, they may be able to suggest medications and they may be able to suggest um, uh, non-medication-based resources as well. And, you know, at this time of year, it's not uncommon even for people who are already on psychiatric medications um, sometimes to need an adjustment at, at this time of year. That was Laura Cavanaugh, Professor of Behavioral Sciences at Seneca College. I'm Christine Ross, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, a new survey finds more than 8 in 10 Canadians over 55 plan to travel internationally in the next six months. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP. Offering members-only discounts that can save you thousands of dollars a year. Find out more at carp.ca. Travel bug got you planning a big trip? You're not alone. A just-released survey by the Zoomer advocacy group CARP finds a whopping 86% of older Canadians plan to book an international flight within the year, marking a return to the first normal travel season in three years. Rudy Boutignol, president of the Zoomer advocacy group CARP, joined us in studio to break it all down. What did your travel survey find? Well, simply, uh, seniors are hungry for travel. There was an incredible amount of pent-up demand over the pandemic. Uh, These are people that uh, generally travel a lot, especially internationally. And then, of course, for a couple of years, almost three years, weren't able to do that. And now they're catching up with a vengeance. Were you surprised with the results of your travel survey in terms of just how many plan to travel this year? You know, look, uh, with myself as part of that demographic, no, I'm not, really. Because, uh, again, seniors, uh, one of their favorite pastimes or activities is traveling. And considering the pandemic and how I felt myself, I felt like, you know, time's wasting. We've only got so many years left. Let's get in those travel. A lot of it's to visit family and friends. So, no, I wasn't surprised. But, I mean, COVID still exists. Why now are people saying enough is enough, I want to get out? Well, I think the the chaos of the transportation system has been resolved largely and people, uh, particularly our seniors, are highly vaccinated. Uh, the restrictions for different countries have been eased up. You don't have to get advanced, uh, you know, advanced permission to get in. So I think the restrictions have been lifted and air travel is more or less um, back to normal. Where are the top destinations that Zoomers are going? Has it differed since pre-pandemic or is it the same or has it changed? Uh, It's pretty much the same with the United States being the destination for half of our of our uh, seniors. I'm one of those two. I've got family down south. Uh, Europe is the next destination, about a third uh, of the people that we've polled are going to Europe and then uh, Caribbean right behind it and then Mexico trailing with it about 20%. So it's no secret, obviously, that Canadians want to explore again. And that's the demographic that the pandemic hit especially hard. What advice is CARP giving those who have questions about travel now at a time when the restrictions have been lifted? What 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 are they curious about? Well, I think, first of all, people are curious about COVID. 
and uh, and other flus. And so uh, we continue to advise our members to make sure they're fully caught up on uh, not just COVID vaccinations, but the flu vaccinations as well. I think that's important. And then, of course, a lot of seniors like to travel in tours, in package tours. And I think part of it's the convenience, you know, that a package tour like our senior discovery tours give you, uh, they'll take care of you from your doorstep to the destination and back and everything in between. So there's a big convenience factor. But what I've seen when I'm on business travel and I look at the hotel breakfast rooms, you really appreciate the social aspect of it. You're not just traveling for the convenience, but it's also social engagement, which is a huge factor in health and in life enjoyment. Are you hearing from CARP members about any changes to travel insurance post-pandemic? It's interesting that from our travel partners, our insurance partners, travel ten- insurance tends to be a big item that people um, are interested in. Uh, obviously, it's a, it's a big issue. Uh, that's why, again, if you travel in a package tour, you're getting cancellation insurance. I think people, I mean, you have to get insurance. As you get older, it gets more expensive. There's mm-hmm. no way around it. So what if people want to travel, want to do international, maybe have never been to Europe, and it's just so daunting to get on the computer and try to organize the entire itinerary themselves? How can CARP help out? Well, our CARP recommended partners, like the Senior Discovery Tours, are really great because, again, it saves you a lot of time of trying to put it together yourself because it does get complicated, uh, not just with the airfare, but the connections, the tra- you know, connecting flights, hotels, gratuities, and everything. So that's where we find that uh, uh, CARP members partaking of, like the Senior Discovery Tours, is really great because it's a, you you call in, it's one price uh, for everything and you know what you're getting and then you don't have to worry about it. So that's that's why I think traveling in, in tours has become so popular, even more popular than before. Rudy, thank you for this. Oh, pleasure. That was Rudy Boutignol, president of the Zoomer advocacy group CARP. For more on Zoomer Media's travel survey, visit carp.ca. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Christine Ross for Libby's Nimer. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Huddy, Christine Ross and Paul Thomas with technical production by Ian Robertson. Executive producer Moses Nimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.